0: Let's open with prayer. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for bringing us into relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And we're awed by the opportunity you give us to be a part of what you're doing in your world uh, among uh, your people and those who have yet to know you. We pray that you would uh, flow in us and through us uh, through this uh, session and uh, that uh, this weekend could be um, a step that you would take us uh, closer to you and closer to all that you would have. Lord, open our hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Okay, well, we're going to do uh, one-minute uh, self introductions of the panelists. And so we'll start with me, and then we'll go to Neil. Okay, and so we're going to share a little bit about where we've lived overseas uh, and then what we're doing now, okay? And uh, I've got it up on the um, uh, board here a little bit as well. Um, so my wife and I and our kids, we've lived in China for a semester and France for a year, and I'm a missions mobilizer and the administrator with the Inis Image Family Medicine Residency in Tulsa. So that's me. So, Neil, you're next. Oh, you got to hear from Neil. I was a general surgeon
1: at Monoram Christian Hospital in central Thailand for 20 years, and then OMF International asked me to come back to uh, mobilize and lead the Homeside uh, team. I uh, retired from that at the end of 2010 and have been involved in medical mission advocacy, promoting, um, raising the awareness of medical missions at conferences like this and across the United States. So, Thailand and the U.S.,
2: Good morning. I'm Kate Dalman, and Bruce and I, my husband, we work with Africa Inland Mission in Kenya primarily. Um, I'm a nurse, and we have lived there for about 12 years. Right now we're in the States, living in northern Minnesota, so I've, I'm coming from the farthest in the U.S., maybe. And um, we are U.S. health advisors for our mission, AIM, and we're at the booth in the exhibit hall, so you can come and see us down there.
3: Hi, I'm Nancy Starock. I work with Team, Evangelical Alliance Mission. I'm a physical therapist. I worked in a small hospital in far west Nepal for about 12 years, and then I was in other administrative roles in Nepal and then in Thailand. I worked with a partnership trying to reach Tibetan Buddhist people in that whole part of the world. I've been back in the States for the last six or seven years, and now I'm getting ready probably to go back to Nepal.
4: Hi, I'm Nancy Wood. I'm a family doctor, and um, we've spent uh, 24 years in DR Congo and leaving on Monday to return again.
5: And that's Central Africa. Yes. Okay. I'm John Gibson. Uh, I spent 20 years as a family physician in Thailand where I ran a hospital as well as the last seven years had a number of primary care, church planting, uh, drug rehab ministries, AIDS ministries, in Northern Thailand. I'm now at John Peter Smith Family Medicine Residency as a Director of Global Health and uh, also do the uh, operative uh, obstetric uh, surgical training there as well. Wow, we're blessed,
0: aren't we? It was worth getting up. Thanks for coming. Okay, this is the exciting part of the session where we Wait to see what God is going to do through your questions and their answers. We don't have this figured out, okay? But that's kind of what cross-cultural missions is, right? Uh, Sitting on the edge of your seat. So um, we've got um, two halves. It's football season, right? Okay, so the first half is for those that are extroverts and are willing to shout out their questions. uh, Or those are you that are introverts like me that can pretend to be extroverts for the sake of missions. Um, And then the second half will be um, the uh, more true introverts where I'll look at the questions you've written down. But I think uh, almost all of you hopefully received, when you came in today, a uh, sheet of paper. And so on the top half, um, if you want to check your top three questions for today's panel, uh, number them one, two, and three, that's fine. And and most of all, if you've got any specific questions that you want to write out there, and so we'll be looking at those in the second half. Now, you pure extroverts, we'll try to handle some of your questions in the first half as well. Okay. Um, so you guys game? So who can give our, uh, and we'll look to maybe, most cases we'll have uh, two panelists answer. I know all five of them really want to answer, but we'll, we'll see, and see how this goes. Okay, so who can give us our? yes, sister. and let me uh, repeat the question so we can all hear and uh, also so that we can get it on the MP3. So uh, you just graduated from residency. Uh, probably others here are in training. You've got school debt, and so do you work down the debt, or, you know, and how long does that take, or are there other pathways to go uh, into uh, full-time uh, missions and ministry? And so uh, who wants to give us our first one here?
4: Uh, I talked to a recent graduate yesterday, and he said that he found a program in Colorado where, um, in exchange for working for three years in an underserviced area, that the organization paid 80% of his debt.
0: Now, was that 80% the first day, or did he have to work so long? Uh, I think he had
4: to work the three years. For
0: three years, okay. And so that's, (laughs) wow, so that's an amazing miracle. Um, Who wants to tell us about a group called MedSend? And by the way, you might want to write this down, M-E-D-S-E-N-D.org,
5: MedSend.org. MedSend Uh, MedSend was formed um, probably 15 years ago uh, for this very issue, and uh, it is a uh, project that's uh, funded primarily by physicians in practice in the U.S. uh, and other donations that will take on your payments of your debt while you were in full-time uh, medical mission service. And this isn't just for doctors. It's for nurses and physical therapists and uh, any other healthcare care uh, ministry. And that's an application process. It's not, you know, not they can't cover every application right now, but uh, they've covered many. I know for my team in Thailand, I at one time had had over six or seven uh, of my team on MedSend Scholarship. So I really appreciate that. Uh, and they're here. They're here at this meeting, MedSend. M-E-D-S-E-N-D.org. Okay, and
0: then who can tell us about income-based repayment? That would be me. Okay. Uh, uh, if you go to a, uh, at the bottom of the screen is a website called askamissionary.com askcommissionary.com, and uh, there's six different areas uh, on that uh, website. And one of them is called Funding. And there's a question about debt, and there's also an information. The federal government has a program, and they have a couple of different programs, where if you work for a nonprofit for X number of years, they will pay off the rest of your school debt. And that could be a nonprofit based in the United States, that has sent you to another country as a healthcare missionary, and you know there's no guarantee that the federal government is still going to be in business ten years from now. Um, <laughs> you know they may be in a little debt too, but but uh, we have some of our uh, uh, recent graduates that are doing that, and MedSend actually partners. What they'll do is they'll work with you on the part that you that the income-based repayment doesn't cover, and then the, they also partner with that. So. It is amazing how God is making a way. Uh, and I think that also applies, like if you're in an inner city clinic in the U.S., I think you can apply for the medicine as well. So praise the Lord. Amen. Great question. Okay, who's got our second question? May I add a PS? Oh, here's a P.S. Thank you. I just
4: wanted to say we can, there's, you know, prevention is very important. That's right. So if you're still in your training or even thinking of going into training, Keep your eye on ways to minimize your debt. Please don't accept it as inevitable. Um, In my last two years of training, I was given a call room because I was on call every other night for two years. And I said, well, who's going to sleep in this room when I'm not here? And they said, oh, nobody. It's your call room. So I said, well, can I sleep in it every other night, you know, when I'm not on call? So for two years, I just slept in my call room. I didn't have to buy furniture. I didn't have to rent anything and kept my expenses down.
0: And you were married with a bunch of kids? <laughs> no, no, okay. So, okay. So, I uh, got it. So, I, you know, but, but if you do talk to medicine, they are going to challenge you and they're looking for people that are living a missionary lifestyle even in North America. And so, taking on excessive debt is, may not work. Okay, next question. Yes, sister. And so you, you were in Guinea, in Africa, and you saw this nurse uh, building, uh, doing kind of community health, and, and people were coming to her and building relationships. And so is that something that happens in other countries and other parts of the world? How, is, how, is that, how does that uh, work for um, evangelism and discipleship? Okay. Give us a couple. Anybody from western Nepal? or I mean, you no. Know, uh, Maybe you were at a hospital, I think. But uh, Okay, help me out here. Neil, you've seen a lot of things in Asia. Uh, I
3: don't think
0: we. Work with this. Okay, anybody? Thanks. Um,
3: I have a friend who did ended up doing this in Nepal, just kind of by chance, with a people group that they had hoped to actually be able to move out to, and they weren't able to live in that area. It was a really restricted area and difficult to get there. So they moved into a part of the capital city where they thought these people might be visiting and it turned out those people came through that city every year and she just made it known that she was available and could help people and they started coming by and before you knew it she had a clinic in her, in her porch really every morning. Of course the other side to watch out for is are you really developing competition to the local health system and what about legal responsibilities and that kind of thing. So there are boundaries to be careful for but on the other hand it can be an amazing way to build relationships and to even make contact with people that you're trying to reach that you can't find any other way.
5: Let me add uh, just one thing. The, uh, when I was uh, leading you know, large uh, teams in Northern Thailand, I did do uh, leadership training, pastor uh, and leadership training, and many of the pastors said, you know, just because I hang around you, Dr. Gibson, uh, people think I, I know something about medicine. And so I started a training program that included some basic skills for screening and, and, and gave them a little formulary of about seven medicines uh, that were non, kind of non-prescription things. And that actually blossomed into a very productive uh, ministry where they were seen as the little kind of barefoot uh, doctor. Uh, even though they had shoes, and uh, they, it, it, it was very effective in their role in the very small, remote villages in northern Thailand. Here's another thing I'd invite you to write down. Community Health
0: Evangelism, uh, which is re CHE, and uh, I think the organization that started that is here, and the name of that organization currently is Life. LifeWind.org. Uh, but there's a number of different groups that do community health evangelism and it's just, it's so impactful. Uh, just a great opportunity. Okay, uh, any guys out there with questions? That's okay, they'll wake up. Oh, there you go, thanks brother. Yes. So, well, maybe. So, uh, other than you know your professional skills and language, what kind of training is appropriate for a short term of a few weeks? And maybe we could also comment on what kind of training is appropriate for somebody looking at full, full term, full time. So,
4: um, I'd like to say you mentioned language training. Uh, I'd like it to encourage you to take it very seriously. Uh, being competent in the local language is very, very useful. And it may take you six months or a year of full-time language study to uh, get a handle on it. But please don't be content with a smattering of the local language. Learn it and learn it well. Secondly, for medical people going to the tropics, a course in tropical medicine. Now, in the DR Congo, it is required. In order to get a license to practice in the country, you have to show your diploma in tropical medicine. And... um, It doesn't matter, even for, um, let's say, a surgeon, many patients fall sick with malaria, and you need to know what that disease is and how it affects your patients. So uh, tropical medicine is really essential for the long-term doctor. Even for the, you know, one year, two years, if you don't recognize the tropical diseases and know how to treat them competently, you are not competent.
0: And I do have links on askadmissionary.com to tropical medicine courses, and those are probably most applicable to the tropics, you know, because um, you know, I'm thinking of like northern Kazakhstan, they may not have as much uh, stuff like that. Um, and uh, language learning, you mentioned uh, 6 to 12 months. It may also depend on the language that you're learning, uh, Chinese, Russian, Arabic are a couple of years uh, plus and so there's a there's a lot of variety there so that's that's more the language learning is probably more for the full time uh... people uh, yeah
2: okay in addition to all the medical things on things that you're going to be doing i would try to learn as much about the culture that i was going to as possible i would want to know their world view how do they think about certain things maybe some simple greetings Because that's really going to make or break your first impressions with people, um, how you impress them and so on. So just read widely about where you're going and try to understand and go in with the attitude of, this is not my home. I I am a guest and a visitor and whatever I see that I don't understand or don't like, try to just take that with a grain of salt and, and not to react to it and take it all in because it's a totally different worldview a lot of the times, and you don't even realize what that is, maybe until you've been there a long time. And then when you've been there a long time, then you really realize that you don't know, hey, you don't have a clue. And so it takes a while. So I would read widely. Maybe um, if, you had, if you're going long-term and if you're with a mission, most of the time they'll ask you to do some Bible classes. So I would try to get those out of the way or do those ahead of time although it's possible to do them within the country where you're going as well, which is also a good idea because you will understand the spirituality of that culture better in some ways if you wait until you study it when you're there. But those are some of the things I would encourage you to do. And then obviously just stay very, very close to the Lord through the whole process, and he'll show you and lead you. Ask him to uh, put people into your life that can speak to the place where you're going. Ask him to open those doors for you too, and that will be really rewarding,
3: I think. Um, just a, a, another word about language. Oftentimes medical people say, well, I, can't, I don't want to stop practice while I learn language. I'll lose my skills. I won't stay up to date and that kind of thing. So they scrimp on language in order to really keep the main thing being their, their profession, and then they try to squeeze language in on the side. I would just encourage you to flip it. Don't say you have to stop altogether, but make language learning the primary thing and find creative ways to stay engaged in your profession part-time or as a volunteer or other ways to to be able to to negotiate that that whole thing. I would also um, say that there are some really great sort of mission prep programs you can take. One is the perspectives course, if you haven't taken that. That's one you can take at a local church in the evening as you're you're going. It's a 13-week program that gives you an overview of lots of issues involved in missions, that's very, very
0: perspectives.org. Right. Perspectives.org.
3: If you're thinking of going to a Muslim country, there are quite a few programs that will prepare you for working in the Muslim world. These are more, some of them are more full-time that you have to actually engage in for a couple of weeks in a Muslim setting. Others are, you can do a little bit more along the way. And then if you're thinking of going to a, a very rural setting, kind of an outback kind of ideas, there are several programs you can take that will help prepare you for that kind of lifestyle.
0: And we've been, we've been talking about uh, full-time um, missions. Uh, how many here, are, you came this morning because you're interested in exploring full-time missions? Okay. And uh, how many, you came this morning because you want to uh, learn more, more focused on short-term missions? Okay, so we've got a few. So let's, uh, let's do two things here. We're going to take a couple answers on how to prepare for short-term missions. And then we take volunteers, people in the back there who want to give a chair to the lady who's holding the baby. So bless you if you want. Okay, so uh, don't need to do any.
5: And there's sure chairs. There's a lot of chairs. Yeah, but if you're holding the baby,
0: so the people in the back without the baby come up. Okay, and so okay, so uh, uh, how how do we prepare for short-term missions? Give me a couple. Okay, John. Uh,
5: so I I work with a. Uh, uh, organization called InMed, I-N-M-E-D. Uh, dot U.S. They're here, and uh, we do short course training online, and then hands-on training uh, at multiple times of the year. So uh, look at that. That might be we do tropical medicine training. I'm now adding a whole day of ultrasound training for that uh, for that course. So uh, for short-termers, I think that's a really great way. It's a seven-week online course, and then a Four-day, hands-on course.
1: Uh, It's good to look for an 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 agency uh, that does short-term trips well, and it's not just sending you and bringing you back, but giving you pre-field training, how to prepare yourself, which would include a very brief psychological exam to sort of see, uh, do a personality profile. And that's not just learning about you as an individual, but it is for that. It's also how do I relate to other people and to begin to think of team dynamics because most of what we'll be doing on the field won't be alone. It will be with other people. Um, And then that agency would also have a follow-up after you come back, and that way it will be very much of a growth experience for you as a person, but also you're more likely to have a, a more worthwhile contribution while you were there and hopefully leaving what you've done with people who continue the ministry that you've contributed to.
0: And let me uh, also encourage you, if you're open to exploring full-time, go on a short-term with an agency that has long-term opportunities uh, because it's a great way to get to know the agency and the culture and get to explore some of the long-term things. Okay, this is, uh, the concludes the first half of our session. I've got a, a brief little half-time intermission And then we'll go to the second half, okay? So if you can uh, look at the uh, full-page sheet that you've got in front of you here, um, and I'm going to explain the bottom half of the sheet. Sorry, I didn't give you guys a sheet here. Um, But uh, if you want to, there's uh, uh, the first little blank there. says, yes, every few months, email me the free Ask a Missionary newsletter, which points to missions magazines, conferences, and has new questions and answers on how to become a missionary. The next one is, there's a every month email newsletter put out by the Student Volunteer Movement. And then finally, there's an every week email newsletter by Missions Catalyst. So if you want to keep missions coming to your email inbox, check one of those three. Uh, There's also an opportunity. This is an amazing big conference. All this information. If you ever want to do something small and focused, uh, check yes, email me info, that I could consider the Journey Deepens Weekend Retreat, which is like 20 or 30 aspiring missionaries and 10 missionaries that serve as coaches. And you spend a weekend hanging with each other and learning what it would be like. And there's three different retreats scheduled this spring. So if you've checked any of those, then give us your name and email address at the bottom. You can put your little sticker or whatever. That's fine. Uh, The top half is where you maybe uh, put a one or two or three if you have, and uh, you don't have to. If you've got any specific questions, remember you introverts out there or any extroverts I didn't get to. Uh, And then if you can kind of uh, gather the ones on your table, uh, and then maybe when you've got them all gathered, if you could raise your hand, and uh, Cliff and our other assistant uh, will gather those and bring them up to me, okay? Uh, By the way, if you've written anything really cool on this sheet that you want to keep, Maybe you need to transfer it to your notebook, right? Okay. So I think uh, that's what I've got there. Oh, and I need to show you a copy of my uh, website. So let me go over here to the computer and uh, see if we can go like here. So this is the Ask a Missionary website. And you can see that there's a whole section on mission agencies. Um, There's also a section, all kinds of different question and answers, questions on funding, funding. guidance, uh, professional skills, missionary training, and uh, singles and families. So over about 10 years, I've received 100 questions on how to become a missionary from North Americans and about 500 answers from missionaries around the world. And so askamissionary.com is a website you might check out. And there's also a book uh, pulls has the best of askamissionary.com uh, uh, and the most general information. and also has... Uh, Some amazing stories at the beginning of each chapter that are not online and also some interactive questions. And so this book, you can order it on Amazon or askmissionary.com or it's downstairs at the CMDA bookstore at the back of the first floor. So um, any questions about halftime? Okay, I'll go back to that other screen here. Sounds good. Okay, we're, uh, we're gathering the sheets, but we've got a little more time for some extroverts here. So, another question. Yes, sister? Licensure for nurses. Licensure for nurses, and maybe we could say for yes. any healthcare professional. Wait, do you work under your you
2: have to get a license? Yes, that, that's the best way to go. And it really will vary country by country. I can speak to the country of Kenya. They do have a National Nursing Council, and you are required to get a Kenyan nursing license. And it's been very complicated in the past. They're trying to streamline it, and they have. But basically you need to bring all your documents from where you've been trained. And um, in Kenya especially, and maybe in other countries too, the bachelor's degree of nursing is really your minimum requirement. You have to have a bachelor's degree. They they won't even look at you if you have a two-year degree to get a license in Kenya. Now that can be different in other countries. So that is the minimum, and I would encourage all you nursing students to, if, if you're in a BSN program, that's what you want to do. Um, you'll bring your documents, and then they will walk you through the process. You pay a fee, and you get a license for a few years. Very important. Um, you do not have to take an exam in Kenya. All
0: right. And it, It's very country-specific. I've, I've got docs uh, that served in Kazakhstan, and they have to take the exam in Russian. And so, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of variations there.
4: One um, missions pastor that we uh, spoke with encouraged us very, very strongly to keep up our license in our place of origin and not give it up, because these days, politically, you don't know what's going to happen, and uh, health-wise and family-wise, and so in X number of months or years, you could be back in your place of origin, and uh, it might be really as close as impossible to regain your license if you've let it slide. But if you keep it up, then um, you're, you're in good standing. Sometimes keeping it up requires certain courses, certain continuing medical education, but it's worth it. I think you need to convince your mission board that keeping up your license is really important.
0: And I think most of them will be supportive. Okay, I've got a question for you guys. Okay, how many of you have, have gone through the, uh, part, at least part of the exhibit hall? Okay, so just about all of us. How many of us were overwhelmed? Okay. Um, okay, another question is uh, how many of you got the email that said, hey, here's your top five matches you know, of agencies to look at, and, and here's the booth numbers, and how many of you found that really, really helpful? Okay, a few. So uh, we're working at that. I get to help uh, the conference organizers try to uh, improve this each year. And so it looks like we still have some improvement to go. But I think a big challenge is how do you pick an organization? There's We're overwhelmed by overchoice. There's too many choices. So how do we pick an agency? And we've got a variety here. We've got uh, overseas OMF. Uh, we've got AIM, uh, team, um WAC, and then um, you were with the IMB. IMB with the Southern Baptist. So I've got a lot of variety here for it. So okay. So how do we pick a? How do we pick an agency, guys? Very carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> it's 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 not quite till death do you part, but it feels like it. Okay. Uh, so okay. So how do you pick an agency?
4: Just one of the many considerations as you consider carefully what you're going to do, is, is geography. I mean, where do you live, and where is the agency's headquarters? Because if you go overseas for four years and come back, the agency will want to see you, but you have your roots in a certain place. And if you can bring those two together, that's really very helpful, because you want to see your family, you want to see your friends, but if you have to you know, drive three days across the country to get to mission headquarters That can make it difficult. So you talk about
0: geography of the mission headquarters in the U.S. There's also geography overseas. We've got AIM, which is probably mostly in Africa, Africa Inland Mission, and Overseas Missionary Fellowship is mostly in East Asia. Okay, Uh, And we've got a team that's all over the world, right? And WEC is all over the world. IMB is all over the world. So, you know... That's that's one aspect as well. You know, if you've got a real heart for Africa, you may not go to OMF. You've got a real heart for East Asia, you may not go to uh, AIM. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, but there's more. There's more than picking an agency. Okay.
5: Well, let me just say, uh, for Southern Baptist IMB, you do need to be a Southern Baptist. That's the downside. How many Southern Baptists do we have? Okay, don't talk too much. And, uh, and so, and so that, that would be the first step. But let me talk about not having an agency. And uh, one of the things I'm mobilizing now are folks who want to do uh, long-term uh, missions uh, in places like, let's say, Thailand, who want to do medical education. And what I'm looking at is not necessarily going with an agency, but actually being employed uh, getting a job with the Thai government. And then there, there are a number of countries that can do this. So there is a way to even to do this without an agency, without going with a, a sending agency, but basically uh, getting a job, being a tit maker, in uh, a, the country that you want to be focused in.
0: And you can even do both. Interserve is an agency here uh, uh, that has a booth, and they, they provide some of the you know, member support, pastoral care, and supervision where you're part of a team even though you're working in a secular uh, job, maybe with or without a salary. But, but let, I think a lot of us here are looking at you know, going with an organization and the opportunity of raising prayer and financial support. So how do you pick between these different
3: groups?
4: I think you, it's valuable to uh, talk to. You, know, you can have an initial interview with five agencies if you want I mean, even your interview in the uh, exhibit hall is helpful. And sometimes an agency will give you a piece of advice that really you know in your heart is helpful. And sometimes an agency will give you a piece of advice that isn't helpful. And you just need to, the wisdom that God can give you to know what is best. And uh, when we were looking... An agency said to us, you know, the need is really terrific. Uh, we would let you go without French and without tropical medicine to go and meet that need right away. And our reaction, my husband and I both said, hold on, we are long-term missionaries. We want to be long-term missionaries. We know we need our French and we need our tropical medicine. We would never have even got a license to practice in the country if we hadn't had our course in tropical medicine. So be careful. And, but sometimes that advice that you are given can be useful to say, mm, no, I don't think so. So there's, go a,
0: there's, a, agency. there's a discernment process. Okay, yes. let's, let's go all the way down the line, because picking an agency is huge, who you're going with. And so,
3: yes. uh, just a, a comment to kind of piggyback on, on that. Is one, one thing to think about is, How much do you envision your medical ministry being integrated with a larger church planting or involvement with a a local church kind of ministry and finding out how how do organizations look at the integration of the two? Is it simply a a channel to get your funds, to get your church happy or whatever it is so that you can go be a doctor somewhere, or is it really a... A ministry team that you are a part of, as a doctor, to do something that's really commu- brings about transformation in that community and the building of the church there, and just to find out how do organizations talk about that, is and which ones resonate with you. Sometimes it is just a matter of discernment, and res- what resonates with one person won't resonate with another person. And honestly, I've had people that have come with with our organization simply because they liked the people they met, they liked the mobilizers. It may not last your lifetime, but at least it gets you in the in the door. It and, kind and of helps re, re, narrow down the the choices.
0: And there's a sense of organizational culture uh, that you know you kind of join in a family. Uh, so that, that that liking is, I think there's an important aspect of that because you're okay. So let's keep, let's keep going here. We'll go all the way.
2: I really think it depends on leading from the Lord. I I just, there's so much out there that um, you have to trust that God is leading you. And so when you come to these conferences or if you go to Urbana, that's where my husband and I got connected with AIM when we were first married you know, 35 years ago, and we went all the booths, just like now, and I think it was team, and it was AIM. They had some opportunities for us for the following summer. That's where we started. We wanted to do a short-term thing, and so that's where we went, and we just really, you know, we could have probably pursued 15 other missions, but Those were the choices that we had, and so those were the ones we pursued. And I really believe that God was in that. And so you have to trust that he is the one that will lead you and put you and move you to the people that you um, should be talking to. Yes, you need to do that. You need to do the hard work. But you've already done the um, essential work of praying for that guidance ahead of time. And then just trust that that's going to happen. What happened with us, we, we did a short-term experience with AIM in Zaire. is where I met Dr. Nancy Wood for the first time in 1980. And um, 12 years later, when we were ready to become full-time missionaries, we remembered AIM. And what a positive and wonderful experience it had been. And it was easy for us then to continue with them. That's how our story worked. And yours may be different. But God is in this. If he's calling you, he's in this. And he's going to be leading you.
1: I think it's very important uh, when you're looking at mission agencies to see what do they exist for. What are they calling their vision statement? What's their mission? Uh, go down the list of values. Um, all those things are on a piece of paper. They have meaning, so you need to meet the people that are actually living this out or believe in it. There aren't very many mission agencies that are strictly medical and if their purposes were strictly medical, then I'm not sure that I would be, want to be a part of that. In medical work, I think you want to be a part of a team that's really looking to people's spirits, not just their bodies. Of course, body, spirit, emotion, all those we, we believe that we're, uh, that we're one, that we're, in, you know, that we're integral. But we want to be part of an organization that sees medicine as an important part of getting the gospel out in difficult places but that beyond that we're building the church and the church we're building has a vision to build another church and we're thinking about movements. So uh, think about mission, vision, values of the organizations that you're, that you're talking to.
0: Okay, I've gone through some of your sheets. Here's the uh, first uh, question from the sheet. What about the money? Uh, how does God provide the money? You know, I don't want to be begging. How does this work? Um, so those of you that have been on... Uh, uh, maybe somebody could describe what personal support is and then some of the challenges, but adventure of that.
1: Uh, when I started doing support development in the 1970s, I think most of my support was provided by churches. Churches where I had done my internship, my residency, where I had built relationships along the way. And people said, we want to be part of what you're doing. Uh, More recently, uh, as the the support figure has gone up astronomically, it's more individuals and maybe individuals' foundations that they've set up that have contributed to uh, our support right now. Um, You might think it's begging, and you can beg if you want to, but what we need to think about is what are we doing to the people that we're asking to be partners with us, whether it's praying or giving. And and for many people, we're really giving them an opportunity to be part of the ministry that we're involved in, whether it's in Africa, East Asia, Thailand, wherever it happens to be. We're, We're building a team, and these partners are an integral part of the team. And so I kind of get out of the begging kind of mentality, unless that's really what you want to do, and I don't think we want to do that.
2: Yeah, this is a big question. Um, Our mission is faith-based, and we do need to raise support. When we went, we were a family of five, and how do you raise money for all of this? Um, It's daunting. It's not American. We just don't like to do it. We want to be self-sufficient. And I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest faith builders that there is. And so as a missionary, it's a good place to start. You're very humble. It makes you very humble. It makes you really depend on God and and your family, and it makes you see in the long run how big he is and what he wants to do because only he can do it, and he wants to do it. And this is a thing that you don't realize when you start, how much he wants you to go. So if you have that call to go, guess what? He'll bring it in. He will bring it in. He will do it in ways that you just can't imagine because it's his plan, not yours, really. And so it 's so humbling and it 's faith affirming and it, and all these years we've been on the mission field, some people will have dropped our support, and other people have picked it up and, and sometimes in ways we would never have thought or imagined, and we just take that as a confirmation that God is in it again, and if he 's not in it, you really don 't want to go and so I would say, encourage you to think yeah it's a big it 's a big hurdle, nobody likes to do it. Look at it as a faith building and faith-growing adventure that you're going to be on for maybe the next 20 and 30 years. And it's an amazing ride. And you get a picture of who God is. And that really can impact you in a big way.
0: Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us like to see God do miracles? If you want to see God do miracles, then pray and do, go on personal support as a full-time missionary. So. Okay, I've got another question. Here's a little survey question. How, how many of uh, us here are singles? Okay. And then the uh, other question is, uh, how many of you that are singles didn't go to the panel on singles and like for us to talk about singles? Okay. So the singles, so you guys, most of you did get to do it. Some of you didn't. Sorry. Okay. I've got a whole set of really cool question and answers on singles and missions on the website, askmissionary.com. Okay. How many of, uh, of us are married, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I think at least one person has a child, uh, and there may be more. My wife and I have had six. So how many are married? Um, raise your hands. And uh, uh, how many of you um, didn't go to the families with missions and would like for us to talk a little bit about families with missions? So you guys, hey, that, was, that worked too. Okay, sorry. And I've got answers on that for you as well. Okay. Uh, let's see, what's the next question that I... Here's a good one. Um, where do I go? How do I find the place God would have me go, or the people group? Um, how, how do I find God's will? So no pressure, but you've got to cover it all within you know two minutes or something.
4: I would like to say it's just very interesting that God looks after the details. And um... When I was in first-year med school, I received a Christmas gift from my eighth-grade school teacher. And she sent me the biography of a doctor who was working in the Congo. And I also went to Urbana that year. And one of the books that was advertised as a special for the day, one dollar, I think, at the door on your way out of the assembly hall, was written by the autobiography of Dr. Helen Rosevere, uh Give Me This Mountain, and she'd been working in Congo. And I suggested at a Christian Medical Dental Society meeting that I'd be willing to work anywhere that following summer as a lab technician because I had some experience in that. And um, the chairman found me a job in Uganda, which happens to be immediately next door to Congo. And within six months, I was in Congo on a short visit. And I met Dr. Becker, whose autobiography, whose biography I'd been given. I met Dr. Roosevelt, whose autobiography I had read and bought at Urbana. And uh, I said, can I come back in two years' time for a full elective of two months? And they said, sure, we'd be glad to have you. So God uses all sorts of little details. Um, I won't mention how, but my mom uh, was a believer, and there were several times in which her intervention, uh, making me acquainted with somebody else, was really crucial.
3: Um, Many times people I've talked to say, I just have a pull towards this part of the world, and I don't care less about that part of the world. Pay attention to those kinds of things. We might think it's random, but... God does that. you know. He puts an interest in our heart that you can't explain. And if, that, if you feel that kind of tug or the kind of total disinterest, at least that narrows it down a little bit. But I've also found that many, for many medical people, the actual geography isn't the primary issue. Um, most of you probably would say you're willing to go anywhere. So that doesn't help any. Um, so then you have to look at what kind of setting are you interested in? You see yourself in a hospital setting or in a clinic setting or in a government setting or in a city or in a country or in the bush, or what kind of medical setting, what kind of demographic setting. That often helps narrow the field down a little bit. And then to think about your ministry interests and how you'd like to see medicine combined with, with ministry and how you see that as your ministry or, if, or not is something to think about. And then exploring from that angle also is helpful.
0: And let me give a PS on that. You don't need to explore that just by yourself. In a lot of ways, finding the agency you're going with is the best first step. And I know at least one organization, half the people that join them say, I know I want to be a part of missions. And they join the organization, and then together they pray and explore where to go. Uh, I've heard and, it said that it's a lot more important what team you're playing on, where you fit, than the stadium you're playing in.
3: <laughs> and also, don't discount your local church, your home church that you're a part of right now. The, the leaders in your church, your elders or your small group leader that know you, they can give you some incredible, incredible guidance. And for sure, have them pray with you and ask them to just join you in this journey of discerning God's will. And they'll speak into your life and help you to det- determine whether what you're hearing or feeling is is a match with who they, they see that, that you are. But one other um, follow-up on the idea of going to, finding the agency first and then looking, this is what happened with me. And someone asked me yesterday, What if you don't see very many opportunities on the websites or whatever for a – I was a a PT, and that's what this person was looking for, a PT opportunity, and they don't see very many out there. Well, when I was trying to find my way, there was only one option on on the team website. They didn't have a website then, but on their list, and that was in Nepal. And I'd never heard of Nepal. I didn't even know if I cared about Nepal. But in the end, that's where I ended up, primarily because it was the only option that I could find. But sometimes God uses those kind of things too, and don't say, Well, I only can find one. I can't be, it can't be God's will. Sometimes it is.
0: There's a lot to work through, right? A lot of different issues on becoming a missionary. And, you know, there's websites, there's agencies. You know, um, you know your local church can give you some more individualized counsel, but they're not always the ones that know what it would be like to become a missionary. So, Neil. Uh, If we can pass the microphone down to Neil. Uh, Neil's going to share a little bit about um, this uh, ministry that you got to help start this last year, and I think everybody got a half page about it uh, handed out to them. So can you share about that, Neil?
1: Last year I gave a talk on the need for um, mentors for long-term medical missionary prep. And from that uh, group of people, 40 said that they wanted mentors, and then 20 followed up. And they were matched. I tried to match them with someone who either is a current medical missionary or one who had been. And the follow-up from that is in process right now. And I can say that from some of them, uh, they don't know right now what part of the world they want to serve in. So this is a a real live issue for many people. Uh, One young lady in medical school, I don't know if she may be here, said that when she grew up, uh, her hometown or church, they were reaching out to Iraqi women who lived in the area. And one of her mentors at that point said, well, if you are interested in these people, why don't you become a lady doctor? And so she went to medical school specifically to reach out to Iraqi women and now is looking into serving in the Middle East in some way. So I heard many uh, amazing stories of young people wanting to find people to mentor them on the way um, There's not a a very strict program. It's not content-laden, but it's uh, the beginning of developing a relationship where someone can inspire, help to guide, network, uh, provide uh, books to read like Nancy and Nancy were just talking about, Um, these kinds of things. It's more on the soft side, but we're going to try to uh, pull in more content as we go along and as we see this thing continue. My thrill right now is that John is taking this to the next level, making it web-based so that there could be administrators um, working with the, you young people and maybe not so young people who are looking for mentors and then put your profile up on the website and those who are willing to be mentors putting your profile up on the website and then continue this matching um, so I think this has a great potential. It was Ralph Winter many years ago who said that of all the young people, of every hundred young people who said they wanted to be missionaries, only one actually got to go to the mission field. And he said that was, that was for the lack of mentors. And so we're hoping to at least provide that, uh, that service or that relationship where there will be someone close by that you can go to with your questions, your passions, your interests, that kind of thing.
0: Thank you, John. So we're working. Thank you, Neil, for piloting this. And we're working to try to put this together. Uh, you got the sheet there. Any any comments or questions you might have about medicalmissionsmentoring.com? Well, that's fine. We're good. And, by the way, panelists, if you consider applying to be a mentor, I need more mentors. Okay. So, thanks. Um, Another question on the sheet is... um, I'm struggling with fear. Uh, And then some people also have where their parents are fearful. You know, you've been an adult a long time, but mom or dad or grandparents are scared about you going. How do we deal with fear?
5: It is scary.
3: I'll take
5: that. Um, All of us have fear. Okay. I mean, not, not a single one of us hasn't gone to the mission field not being uh, worried about different things and our kids and our uh, ministries and what's going to happen to us when the government official asks us if we're Christians. And um, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about fear. And uh, and that's what I learned to lean on, is the Word of God and to be... Uh, and to be fearless to me was a command, not an emotion. And to trust that God is in this. God is bigger than me. And God is bigger than your fear. And yes, I've been put in situations that I, I wanted to not be in. Where I had to say or, or identify myself and risk uh, a lot. And yet, when I told the truth, and God honored that. So I, I would just say, personally, that fear is the opportunity to trust. Fear is the opportunity to, to really be a believer. And, uh, and your, your parents, if they're not believers, that's a tough one. But if they are, then uh, they, need, they need to mature and understand that as well.
0: Wow, good stuff. And we do, we do have a, uh, st- one of the stories that Dr. Gibson has shared is in the Ask a Missionary book. Uh, and there's also answers there about how to help your parents that are uh, really reserved. Uh, question in the back. Right. If, if we give uh, parents information, that helps. Uh, my wife and I took uh, my parents' first grandbaby, nine months old, to China, uh, back when nobody went to China, and they were scared. But as they got to know more information, they met some of the people of the agency. That, that was, a, was, a, was a real positive in their lives. And by the way, there's an organization called Parents of Missionaries <laughs> to provide support for adult for parents to you know, kind of work through that. Uh, so.
4: Uh, just two illustrations. Two weeks ago, we invited a cardiologist to come and visit DR Congo for two weeks, um, sometime after Christmas, and uh, he was really excited. He said, yes, my wife and I will come, and he talked it over with his adult children, and they said, under no circumstances. And the tri- trip is off, just off, because... The adult children said, that's suicide. Um, when I, questions of fear come, are brought up, I think of my own family situation. My maternal grandparents boarded a ship in New York City in 1919 with three small children, no antibiotics, no vaccines, and went off to South Africa as missionaries. So I can... I have fear thinking about doing that. So, um, you know, we reverse it a little bit. But, my parents were very gracious and they said, if that's what God's called you to do, go ahead and do it.
0: Well, there's more questions. There's more answers. Um, I, the panelists can stay around a little bit. Um, I think there's a few more minutes before the next uh, workshops begin. Uh, more information on com. But, uh, uh, we could pass the mic to Kate, and uh, Kate, would you uh, would you pray uh, pray for us here? Sure, let's let's pray together.
2: Oh Lord, heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are our Father. We are so grateful for how big you are, how much you love us, how much you um, have dreams for each of us, places that you would have each of us to go and serve you, Father. That is your heart's desire, as it is ours. We thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you that we can trust you with that. Father, help us to trust you today as we're here at the conference in the weeks and months ahead as we're thinking about these questions, where do we go, what do we do. Father, you are good. You are good, and you love us, and you want to give us good gifts. And wherever you are and wherever you call us, that is where we want to be. Jesus, thank you so much for that. Help that truth to grow down deep within us. Help us never to forget it. In times when we're scared or unsure, we, we travel back to that place where we know that with you all things are possible and nothing is impossible and that you are good and our lives are worth giving to you for whatever it is you have for us. So we thank and praise you now, Jesus, and thank you for this time together. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. Please join me in thanking our panelists.